You are now tuned in to Built to Quit, a podcast where I talk with and dig into the stories of Black entrepreneurs and their journey to full-time entrepreneurship. Be sure to tap in every other week to hear distinct perspectives and lessons learned from Black entrepreneurs who created a blueprint and business that allowed them to leave their nine to five, but in a way that worked for them, their family, and their finances. And now for this week's episode. Hey, good people. Welcome back to another episode of Built to Quit. I am, as always, happy to be here, happy to have another wonderful conversation with an amazing guest. I have Jaya Thomas here with us today. Jaya is a sports and entertainment attorney with over 15 years of experience on both coasts. Her day-to-day consists of structuring, drafting, reviewing, and negotiating an array of agreements relating to the production, distribution, publishing, and licensing of television and film content. Her clients range from artists, filmmakers, producers, production companies, social media influencers, and studios. She also represents current retired professional athletes at the intersection of sports and entertainment. Jai has been quoted as a legal expert in publications such as the New York Times and USA Today. Jai was an adjunct professor at UCLA for five years, where she taught a course titled Copyright Law and the Entertainment Industry, an all-day seminar titled the nuts and bolts of starting a law practice. In 2018, Jaya launched Diverse Representation, a company aimed at increasing the exposure and hiring of Black agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists in the sports and entertainment industries. In addition to providing the first ever comprehensive database of Black agents, attorneys, managers, and publicists in the sports and entertainment industries, Diverse Representation also curates various diversity programs, events, and initiatives. In 2021, Diverse Representation launched three pipeline programs to increase the number of Black executives in the television, film, and music industries. A native of Cincinnati, Ohio, Jaya Thomas is a graduate of Colgate University, the George Washington University Law School, and she also holds a certificate in television, film, and new media production from UCLA. Jaya, how are you? Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and congratulations again on the launch of this new podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. It's been an interesting ride. I've been enjoying it. Podcasting is is not completely new to me, but creating a platform with intention um, and good content and the right people, you know, that is, that's a little new, right? I want it to all stick and, and be done um, in just a very impactful way. So thank you so much for um, your congratulations. I am looking forward to chatting with you. You have done a lot. I have been watching you <laughs> move and grow and just expand um, one of your businesses. You have two, and we'll talk about those today, but let's jump right into our conversation because I want to know what was your very first job and what was one lesson you learned from it? Oh gosh, it's a great question. Okay. My very first job. So when I was a teenager, I was so anxious to start working and making money. And I actually started my own business when I was like 13 or 14, like selling newsletters to people in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they would pay for these, like this, I'm old. So this was back with like typewriters and like, you know, printers with the paper you'd have to like, yeah, I was doing a lot, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would sell newsletters like in the neighborhood to make money. This was before I was like legally of legal age to work. So that was kind of like my first job-ish, but my actual first job working for another company was, as soon as I turned 16, I went out to <laughs> to try to find a job. And my first job was actually at Ruby Tuesday. 
the restaurant and I was a hostess. So that was my very first job in high school, a hostess at Ruby Tuesdays. And what did I learn from that? Oh gosh, that was so long ago. I think I learned the importance of like having fun, you know, while you're working, like working doesn't have to just be like boring and stale and dreadful. You know, I was 16 at the time, but even doing that job, which, you know, by far is not the most glamorous. We had fun. Like I I got to meet a lot of great people, had a good time, you know, shared a lot of jokes, laughs. And yeah, I look back on that time fondly. So I think that was probably the biggest lesson. Uh, And also to be responsible because at 16, I mean, for 16, I was pretty responsible, but I had my moments where maybe I didn't want to go to work some days and I did not call in to let them know that. And there were consequences and repercussions for that. So I think that was probably another lesson I learned. Today, you work for yourself, 100%. You are an entrepreneur full-time. So I want to ask you, as we kind of dive and dig into your story, what was the last job you had working for someone else? Last job I had working for somebody else was over 10 years ago. Yeah, it it was over 10 years ago. And I was working for a uh, production company in Los Angeles full-time. So that was the last full-time job I had. And let's talk about, you left that, was that a job where were you laid off? Were you fired? How did you transition? Like, how did that, how, what was your journey? Great question. So actually it was a little over 10 years ago, maybe like somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago. Yeah, I just didn't really love the work. I was new to Los Angeles. I moved to LA from New York. And when I lived in New York, I did have a full-time job working at a law firm. When I moved to LA, uh, I didn't know anybody when I first moved to LA. So I did a lot of cold calling to try to find my first job. And that's how I ended up finding my first few positions. And at the time, I was kind of just taking anything to learn the industry. Um, I really just wanted to kind of get my, my hands dirty and start meeting people and just learning how the entertainment industry worked. So my, that last job I had, honestly, I didn't really love the people. I didn't really love the work. And at the time, honestly, I didn't really love LA. So I was at a crossroads, just like, I don't really love this job. I don't really love the city. Should I leave? Should I stay? You know, and I ended up leaving for a bit, coming back to the East Coast. And once I left, that's when I quit the job. And once I left, I was also at a crossroads professionally. Like, do I go back to working at another law firm? you know, what do I do? And it was my parents who told me, and actually my dad, who's an entrepreneur, he was like, you know, you can continue to make other people rich, or you can make yourself rich. So, you know, now is as good a time as any to just jump out there and do your own thing. Did you always know, or like, yeah, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or something you just literally just quit and was like, I'm going to figure this out? Quit and figure it out, honestly. I mean, I always had like entrepreneurial tendencies when I was younger. Like I said, when I was like 13, 14, I was like selling newsletters. So I always had like entrepreneurial tendencies where I was always kind of like doing my own little thing on the side, but it was never like my goal, like my dream. If you'd asked me when I was like 21 or, you know, at a law school, are you going to be an entrepreneur? I would have said no. Um, So that was never really a part of my plan. It just happened. And did you have, once you, you know, decided to quit, did you have a, a formal plan? Did you know, no. I'm going to open a law firm or I'm going to go, what did you do? No, <laughs> I, I did the opposite of what everyone tells you to do for my law practice. And even for a diverse representation, I never put together a business plan. 
I kind of put everything together on the fly. When I launched my own law practice, I literally like that day bought a domain name and created a website. And that was my legal practice. And same with diverse representation. I did not have a business plan. One weekend, I decided I'm going to start this company. I bought the domain name, put together a website and went from there. You know, I'm not, I'm not advising everybody do this. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't double down. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I don't walk it back. Because everyone I have interviewed and talked to, including myself, no one has done a business plan. <laughs> and I always, I have to always caveat that. What we're not saying you don't need to have one, yeah. or that there isn't some type of strategy or plan. It's the, that formal document that's like, 80 pages that no one's going to read where you're now holding yourself and your business hostage to what you've put on paper, because we know that like business does not flow that way. It's much more fluid. Absolutely. And it's really, really hard to plan things out. You know what I mean? Like when you're running a company, things change every single day, you know, and you have to learn how to quickly pivot. You have to learn how to quickly make changes. And so, you know, I think sometimes it can be a good guidepost, but a lot of working for yourself is figuring it out kind of day by day. So let me ask you, I'm glad you mentioned domain name and website. Whenever I like meet people on the street randomly, although I don't, I'm not a huge fan of talking to strangers when I find myself like <laughs> talking to strangers sometimes and I'm like, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I want And as soon as they say, I want to have a business or I'm working on an idea, I'm like, the first thing I always say is, do you have the domain? And I'm like, pull up your phone, go to GoDaddy and just <laughs> buy it. Like I am that person. So I'll be a little weird to people, but it's so important. And I just think that's, it's a great way to, even before you file those legal documents, like make sure, get that domain name, make sure it's available, you know? Definitely. I mean, two things, get that domain name. And if you can get that trademark, and this is me just giving a little free legal advice during the podcast, but I also represent a lot of entrepreneurs who started a business, you know, whether they started a clothing line or, you know, some other type of business and they ran full steam ahead with the, the name of their business and selling items under that without ever checking to see if they even could get a trademark for it. Then two years, three years later, they end up finding out, wow, someone already has this trademark. I can't even use the name anymore. So A, definitely get the domain name. B, get the trademark. Let me ask you this. I promise I'm not trying to pick your brain or get free legal advice, but I want to just, I want to tap on to one thing and I want to go back to your story. I believe that like an accountant is like one of the best first partners because I think they're partners. Entrepreneurs should invest in. Is it work with someone again, that's new, trying to figure this thing out? Should they hire an attorney to formalize their business? Can you just give a little a little, you know, do you recommend that as a new business owner, a new entrepreneur, you have some type of legal representation? I do. Um, you know, in terms of incorporating your actual business, a lot of entrepreneurs can do that themselves. It's pretty self-explanatory when you're filing documents with the Secretary of State. So unless it's going to be a complex legal structure, I think if it's just a simple LLC, you know, that's something most entrepreneurs can do by themselves. Uh, but in terms of like protecting the brand of your company, I do think it is important to have an attorney, um, like I said, to help out the trademark. A lot of people do not understand that process. And I, you know, I would recommend an attorney for that stage and also like legal documents. You know, if you are going to be bringing on independent contractors, consultants, do not try to draft those documents yourself because I've seen them and they look a mess, you know, have an attorney put something simple together that you can use moving forward. So yeah, it is something I recommend. I know a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs try to save money and they, you know, say they can't necessarily afford an attorney. So I get that. 
Um, and if you can't, when you're starting a business, there are a lot of free, free legal resources out there. You know, almost every law school has free legal clinics. A lot do have entrepreneur legal clinics where they provide free legal advice and free legal help to entrepreneurs. So in whatever city you live in, look at the law schools in that city and see if they have legal clinics where you can get, you know, free legal services. So there are a lot of resources out there, but, you know, I do definitely recommend having some type of legal counsel before moving forward with your company. Thank you. I, I do really appreciate you just offering that. I think it's, it's important. Um, and even if you weren't an attorney, I would probably still ask that question. So <laughs> I want to go back to you and just, um, you know, you got this, you quit your job, you got the domain websites up. Can you talk about how did you get like your first client? What did that look like? You were, what's, what state were you? Were you in California in LA at the time or New York? And how did you get, you know, your first couple of clients? Great question. So yeah, honestly, it was a bit of a struggle. Um, and I was back on the East coast at this time. And once I got the domain, I think I sent out an email to a lot of like my friends and family, just like, Hey, FYI, I've launched my own legal practice. Just, you know, if you know anyone looking for legal help in the entertainment industry, let me know. And I had a friend who is another attorney uh, who had a friend who was a comedian looking for some IP help. Um, And so that's how I got my very first client. He didn't really do any IP work. So he referred that comedian to me. um, And I helped out with, you know, a lot of her intellectual property work. So yeah, that's how I got my first, my very first client. You know, sometimes we, we forget that like, we just need to tap into our immediate networks. It doesn't have to be like necessarily a bunch of strangers, but you know, you said friends and family. And I mean, I would like to assume that most people have, you know, a few friends and maybe good relationships. I also understand that people don't always have great relations with their family, but I think that, you know, we should definitely be tapping in to those that are in our immediate circle to just say, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. And and to your point, I'm sure that you would experience like, you know, you attracted some people you didn't even know that maybe even needed your services. So definitely. Um, can we talk a little bit about maybe how you finance your business? And I don't want to be like all up in your personal, but I'm just curious to know, like when you quit, did you have, you know, six months of savings in the bank or did you literally just quit and just be like, let me literally figure this out? The latter. <laughs> Once again, would not necessarily recommend this route, but yeah, I mean, I was literally like just figuring it out. I did not have two years saved. I did not get out alone. You know, I didn't really have like a huge nest egg at the time because honestly, when I moved from New York to LA and when I moved to LA, I, like I said, I didn't have a job. I didn't know anybody. I, I did have a lot of money saved when I moved from New York, but ended up spending a lot of that money once I got to LA just to get situated, you know, just to like get pay rent and pay bills, you know, as I kind of found my footing there. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I was, I was pinching pennies when I first launched my, my legal practice. Like I said, I didn't take out any money. I didn't get money from anyone. It was really whatever was in uh, my bank account at the time. And I had to uh, get very creative in terms of how to make it work. Yeah. It's amazing the things that you don't even tap into within yourself. (laughs) And so you're out here and you're like, (laughs) how am I going to pay this rent? Like, what else can I do? Right. I mean, (laughs) 
all above board, all legal, but you really start thinking like creatively of like, mm-hmm. I got to make some money. Let me tell you, my last guest, and I totally can relate to this, was talking about how when she started her company, she did a lot of freelancing as she was building. And that's one thing that I actually do to this day. I'm a year in, I'll be a year in next month in April. And um, I've also too had to freelance, right? And again, you have to get creative. Like, what are the skills do I have that may or may not be in alignment with my business that I'm trying to build? But yeah, that being scrappy and being able to like literally figure it out is just a Absolutely. underrated skill when people talk about entrepreneurship. And it's something a lot of people don't talk about, you know what I mean? Like uh, being an entrepreneur isn't just about knowing like the hard skills of whatever business you're running. It's a lot of those soft skills, you know what I mean? And honestly, a lot of people don't know how to be scrappy, you know what I mean? Like they may know how to be a lawyer. They may know how to be, you know, a stylist or a designer, but they don't know how to be scrappy. They don't know how to be creative, you know, and it's a lot of those soft skills that kind of make or break entrepreneurs. Yeah. Speaking of break, can you share a little bit about maybe one of your earlier or even most recent, I call them dips in your kind of in one of your seasons. So maybe you've like, you know, had a great Q1, Q2, and then Q3 was like, crickets like nothing can you talk about maybe one experience that you've had and just kind of how you navigated um, maybe things you did during that time and or things you did to navigate to even keep from going you know crazy because we also don't talk about the mental impacts of being an entrepreneur when things aren't well and it's you're so much in your head definitely I mean also when I first launched my business it was all a dip you know, like, I mean, like the first entire year was a dip. I mean, I really, especially with my legal practice, I mean, I don't feel like I really started to find my stride until a couple of years after I launched. So I would say like my first year, my first two years was like 90% a dip, just trying to figure it out because there are just so many things to try to figure out, you know, when you're running a company and it was tough. You know, um, I, I didn't know how to market myself. I didn't know how to get, you know, as many clients as I wanted. I didn't know how to handle the financing. I didn't know how to, there were just so many things I did not know. And so that first year, that first two years, honestly, it was all a dip. And in terms of how I coped with it, I mean, luckily I have a great support system and my parents, they are my best friends. And I, I leaned on them a lot. I continue to lean on them. They are not in the industry at all, but I always go to them when I need feedback, you know, when I need just like an ear, when I need advice, when I need opinions on things. And they've been like amazing throughout this entire journey. Yeah. Support system is, is key. Um, whether it's family, friends, just that community is just essential. Um, and I, I like that, you know, your parents are not in the industry. I think we have to also be okay with like all of our friends are not going to be entrepreneurs. They're not going to all be marketers or right in our industry. And I think it's sometimes almost a good thing. It's a good way, good way Absolutely. to like bounce ideas off of people that just aren't so connected to what we want the outcome to be. So Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my parents still live in Ohio. They don't, I mean, if I, they have no idea really about the TV and film industry aside from when they turn on the television, but yeah. And it's so funny because a lot of people ask me like, how do you find a good support system? How do you find a good mentor? And I always say, whoever is helping you does not have to be in the same industry as you. You know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we get like very focused on finding someone who is in the same industry as you. And you never know where that support can come from. It can come from someone who's in a completely different industry. And I always tell people to be open, you know? Yeah, because um, it can come from a myriad of different places. That's really, really, really good advice. Thinking about your your last full time 
I know it was a while ago, your last full-time role where you were an employee. Is there, are there any things that you learned during that experience that you have actually brought into and applied either to your business, either one of your businesses or your practice? I just, just want to know. And I, I think it's important that you know, we also just acknowledge like there are some good things that we learn as professionals. Definitely. Um, and then that's part of like this whole concept of like built to quit, right? There's some things that were happening in your life, uh, in that work workspace that in an ideal world were really preparing you for things you did not know, which in your case, you had no idea you're gonna, you know, be running two businesses. So would love to hear if there are specific things that you really did learn while working in a more, we'll call it corporate environment that you have carried over, transferred, and maybe put into practice for your businesses? Great question. So I think probably one of the biggest things I learned was really just how to work with people, you know, work well with people. I think when you're an entrepreneur, oftentimes you're working alone and you're not always interacting with like a ton of other people. And honestly, sometimes your social skills can take a hit, you know? And I know, especially in the entertainment industry, so much of at least my industry is about, networking. It's about who you know. It's about relationships, you know? And so being able to just learn the best way to like navigate relationships, you know, have conversations with people, whether positive, negative, just kind of really those people skills is something that something very important that I took away from working, you know, corporate. And just how to work with, yeah, interact with a lot of different personalities too, you know, that you're, working for a year, <laughs> you're coming in contact with a lot of different personalities. And, you know, when you're working by yourself, you don't have to, you know, you can choose really who you want to kind of come in contact with. And I think just really learning how to navigate different personalities, you know, I, I think is definitely an important skill set that I learned. That's a good one. That people is that people skill set is just it's important, especially when people talk about like scaling and growing their company when you have to hire people or collaborate with partners or hire independent contractors like you've got people you want people that want to work with you, you know, Absolutely. because you are just a nice person, not just because you're like bringing them the bag, but like they actually Absolutely. like you. And so, yeah, I think that people skills piece is, is essential, especially for black people um, that maybe have been in predominantly, you know, non-black, all white environments where you were one of the few. And as an entrepreneur, it doesn't almost, it doesn't change, you know, even as right. a business owner, as a black woman, I mean, most of my clients last year were actually black women leading organizations and brands, but, you know, collectively over the years, you know, it's been a lot of mostly white and you have to know how to engage and connect. You can still be assertive and be you, but there's still a way that we're still having to navigate even working for yourself, you know? Absolutely. It's so important. Yeah. Completely. You've been in this game for a while. So I'm going to ask you this question because I'm just, I I just, I want (laughs) to, I want to know after all these years of being in business, do you still have any fears at all? Do you like, do you deal with fear at all as a, as a business owner? Definitely. I mean, especially over the past two years with COVID. I mean, I was fearful every single day, you know, when, when COVID hit, I didn't know what was going to happen to either of my businesses. You know, it's like, once that happened, it's like either of these businesses could com- completely tank, you know? So that was definitely a fearful moment. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely fearful. I'm definitely, I don't live in fear, you know? So it definitely doesn't like dominate my psyche. But yeah, I mean, once every blue moon, you know, I worry like, well, what if I never get another client? Or what if diverse representation never, you know, what if, what if it just becomes like a thing of the past? 
And so I am conscientious about like saving money, (laughs) a lot more conscientious now than I was, you know, when I first launched these companies and really just having that like safety net. But yeah, I mean, definitely the last two years with COVID were were probably, it's probably the the most recent time I've been fearful about being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I feel like fear never goes away. Right. And I don't (laughs) listen, but you know, I'm definitely a lot less fearful now than I was when I first launched. Like when I first launched, I was fearful every single day. Like that, it definitely dominated my psyche. Like now, honestly, I, it crosses my mind, you know, um, once every blue moon, but I mean, nowhere near where it was before when I launched. Yeah. I've had those moments and I'm, I'm learning for me, my coping has been to like self-talk and I'm like, girl, we're not going down this path. Like you chose this life. God's got you. Like, this is part of it. Write it out, sis. Get creative, right? <laughs> that's like that's when for me, like the creativity kicks in. The you know, it's not a panic, but it's just like this ne- like next level of motivation for me for kicks sure. in. And I just want to just kind of share that you know, at every level, at years after years, there's always going to be something there that. And I think the fear is what you're scared of changes. I think yeah. that's what I'm hearing you say. You're not scared of the same things, but there are moments or things that we can't control. Like nobody would have thought that. We would have been living in a, well, now it's what, an endemic, but we would have been living through a global pandemic, you know, two years, for two years. Who would have never imagined? <laughs> like no business had that in a, even the businesses that have a formal business plan, I'm telling you, that was not in force majeure. <laughs> and none of that was up in those business plans. Nobody was thinking about that, you know? And never, like who would have <laughs> ever thought? I mean, never in a million years would I have imagined. Um, I just have just a few more questions for you, then we're going to wrap up. But I just wanted, would love to know if there was just a few things like looking back over your career as an entrepreneur, uh, if you would maybe share one or maybe even two things that maybe you you would advise people to do differently or that you would have done different had you had known, right? What do they say? Hindsight is hindsight is twenty twenty. Definitely. So I would just, if you had maybe one or two things that you would do differently, what would that be? There are a lot of things I would do differently. Honestly, let me try to be condensed with this answer. (laughs) Um, I think one thing I would have, a couple of things I would have done differently. When I first launched both of my businesses, I tried to do everything myself. So I tried to be the business owner. I tried to be the marketer. I tried to be the assistant. I tried to be the graphic designer. I tried to be, you know, everything. And I am not an expert in 95% of those things. Um, and those are my skill sets, you know, but to save money and to also make sure that it was being done the way I wanted it to be done. Um, cause I'm very type A, I was literally doing everything and it, it was, it's completely draining, you know? So in hindsight, 50, 50, one thing I would have done is Definitely hired people much sooner uh, for both companies to help out with things that I wasn't equipped to really do. I would have definitely done that much sooner. And I also, I mean, now I do have a team for both of my companies and it's a learning process. You know what I mean? There was never a class in high school or college that teaches you how to hire people, you know? So it's a very like, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think another thing, once you are thinking about bringing people on, take your time with regards to who you bring on, because you want to make sure you bring on the right person and be selective. You know, when, especially when I started diverse representation, more so than even my legal practice, I had a lot of people coming at me, you know, a lot of people saying, Hey, I want to help. Hey, can you hire me? Hey, can you, you know what I mean? And 
because at the time I was just in kind of just a rush to get people, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll hire you, you know, without really going through the proper steps I should have to actually have an interview, to actually ask for references, you know what I mean? And in hindsight that, you know, a lot of times didn't end up working out. So that's something else, you know, take your time in in terms of really finding the right people for your company and also finding people who are really about the work. You know what I mean? Like I have come across a lot of people, especially in sports and entertainment, because so many people want to get into these industries who just want to be associated with my company so that in some way, shape or form, it can benefit whatever they're trying to do in sports and entertainment, whether that's meet people, whether that's get on, whether that's, you know, get their own opportunities. And I think what I've found that's been works best for me and something I would recommend to other people find people who are really just about the work, you know what I mean? Not trying to ride coattails not trying to get on just like really genuinely like about the work and getting the work done. So that's definitely something else, you know, I would recommend. I mean, I would, you know, think about, you know, hindsight 2020. And the other thing, the last thing I said, I've, it's been through a lot. So I have a lot of <laughs> things. We're here, we're here for, we're here for all of it. Please <laughs> I, share. I, the other <laughs> thing I would recommend that I didn't do. And now I think there are a lot more resources that are available, but like I said, when I launched my company, you know, when I was in law school, there was never a course on like how to run your own law practice or how to do anything. And I think hindsight, you know, if I could look back and do it all over again, I would have tried to find some type of like just entrepreneurship, like course, you know, whether it's like, it doesn't have to be like a complete, like six month, one semester course, even just like, you know, a two week workshop, you know, just something. Um, Cause I do think it's very hard trying to learn all of this on your own. And in retrospect, I do wish I would have taken a class, you know, on entrepreneurship or like how to run a business. And honestly, there's still a lot of things, even if you take a class that you're not going to learn until you're actually doing it. But I think it helps just give you a head start and kind of give you a heads up in terms of, you know, what to look out for, what to think about. And so that's something I wish I would have done, taking a class on entrepreneurship or, you know, something like that, just to kind of learn everything that it really does take to run a business. Um, I want to, so you've talked about two businesses. So my question, I'm going to ask you a question that I want you to share with us what those two businesses are. But my question is, um, did you launch both businesses at the same time? Um, and at what point in your business did you launch two? And I'm saying this because I know for a fact that most entrepreneurs have multiple things. So many of us are multi-dimensional, multi-hyphenate, and we have these different things going on. And sometimes people think we're crazy. They're like, you, what, you have what, two companies? So, you know, how far, you know, into your your practice, your law practice, which you had first, did you decide to then start a whole other company? And if you want to then share a little bit about, you know, what each company is, that would be great. Sure. So I've had my legal practice for over 10 years. Um, so I did not launch both at the same time. I launched my other company, Diverse Representation, at the end of 2018. Um, so this is a lot more recent. And in terms of the different companies, so my legal practice, that's pretty straightforward. I represent people in the sports and entertainment space. On the entertainment side, primarily TV and film. And on sport, in, on the sports side, primarily athletes who do something in the entertainment space. So athletes who may have their own production companies or podcast or, you know, do television projects. I primarily rep athletes who do something, you know, have a footprint in the entertainment space. Um, My work is transactional, meaning most of my time is spent negotiating deals, drafting agreements, things like that on behalf of like my legal practice. 2018, I started a company called Diverse Representation. 
one of the issues I was finding in the industry as a black woman lawyer was that a lot of my clients are black, but oftentimes I'm the only black person on their team. Um, so I'm their attorney, but then their agent is white, their manager is white, their publicist is white, their financial advisor is white. And I just thought something needs to change here um, because I feel like, especially in sports and entertainment as black people, we make these industries so much money, but we don't do a really good job of circulating that money in our own communities. You know, we make the industry a lot of money, but then we hire all these white people (laughs) to represent us. And so the money goes right back to them. And so I remember asking a lot of you know, clients say, Hey, why don't you have more black folks on your team? Why don't you have a black financial advisor? Why don't you have a black agent? A lot of them would say, well, I don't know any, which I'm like, eh, I don't know if in the age of Google, we can say we just don't or cannot find somebody, but you know, let's pretend that's the case. I decided to start diverse representation. as just firstly a database of all the black agents, all the black attorneys, all the black managers, all the black publicists in sports and entertainment so that no one can use the excuse anymore of, I can't find them. Okay, well, now here they are. Now what? And so that's what it started as, just a website. And like I said, when I started it, I had no idea what it was going to grow into. I just wanted to get the information out there. I spent my own money to buy the domain, to put it together. If it, I didn't even know if it would ever make a dollar. I just wanted the information to be out there because I was tired of seeing all these black athletes with no black people, you know, representing them and same with entertainers. So when I launched it, it wasn't very time consuming because, you know, it was just kind of this website that I was personally just kind of keeping up. But from there, you know, it it really grew into something at the time I would have never even imagined, you know, Mm -hmm. a month or two after it launched, I got an email from Lionsgate and they said, we love this. Like, this is great. How can we support? And ended up having an event at Lionsgate Studios. And from there, like, it has just grown into so many different, like, programs and initiatives and all types of things I would have just never even imagined. So I I do run that full-time, not full-time, but that is my other company. It is very difficult right now to run both companies. And uh, I'm starting to get at a crossroads where it's like, okay, something's got to give. Because running both of these companies now are full-time jobs. And even though I do have small teams for both, they are still very, very time consuming. And so, yeah, initially when I launched our first representation, I was able to manage my time a little better because it wasn't as time consuming. It was just kind of this database. But now that we have all these other things going on, it's very hard to do both. So I'm still working through that. Something I've not figured out yet. Uh, I pretty much work seven days a week and we'll see how things, you know, pan out for the rest of the year for, you know, with regards to both of these companies. The life of an entrepreneur with two businesses. Like this is <laughs> this is it. Like we have teams and we're still involved. There's still a lot of work that has to be done. We're still growing. I have to make decisions. I'm at a crossroads, like all the things. So all that happens time. too. And you can have multiple, but just again, it's not glamorous. Um, but I, I love your commitment and dedication um to both. And that's the thing, right? It's like if it's yours, you're still owning it literally and figuratively the same way and all that that is needed to sustain it and and make it operational you know like you want to make sure everything I mean at least me as a type a personality I want to make sure everything is done right you know so I'm not as much of a micromanager as I was before but you know I still okay growth and (laughs) self-awareness I mean I'm not all the way there yet but yeah yeah, you know, you just want to make sure things are done right. So yeah. I may not touch everything on a day-to-day basis like I used to, but I have my eye on everything. 
you know, just to make sure that it's being done right. Which is really, to me, what a smart business man or woman should do, right? You should have your eye. You may have to touch everything or be executing it all. But in my mind, like you should have a complete holistic view and know what's happening with your business. And I, it's so funny because I do meet some business owners sometimes where they really don't even know like certain things going on with their company, which to me is like crazy. You ask me anything about diverse representation and I can, I can answer that on the spot period. So yeah, it, it is interesting. And I do think it's important. Like I said, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of everything, every right. day, but I do think you need to understand everything that's going on, you know, with your yeah. business at all times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. I want us to wrap up but before we go. I also, I always ask my guests to share just kind of one, like something that we can just hang on to again, just thinking about a black man or black woman who maybe is looking to quit their job, uh, you know, and start their own practice. Um, if there's just one thing that you could just really encourage them to help them make the best decision for them, what would that one thing be? I mean, I think the one thing, my one thing would be a word of encouragement, honestly. And I would encourage more black and brown people to jump out there and start their own businesses. I think true wealth comes from ownership. So I am very adamant and very supportive of any black and brown person who wants to start their own, because I I do think that's where true wealth comes from. It doesn't come from working a nine to five. So, you know, I recommend it. I support it. It will not be easy, Um, but I definitely encourage it. You know, even if, even if it doesn't work out, I mean, the nine to five jobs will always be there to fall back on if you have to do that, you know, but there is money out here. There are opportunities out here. And I do encourage people to, to seek them out. And um, yeah, I, my, my final thought would just be a word of encouragement. And one other thing I would say is, you know, when you are launching a business, something also to think about in terms of what I've found to be successful, and what I've seen be successful also are businesses that also solve problems, you know, any type of business, a lot of business that I've seen that have been very, very successful are ones that solve problems. So, you know, if you see a problem, whatever industry you're in, and you have an idea for a solution that can take the shape of a business to, you know, implement that solution, those are some of the most successful businesses I've seen. And I would recommend just jumping out there and doing it. So Jaya, if people want to just kind of stay in contact with you and at least follow the work that you're doing, um, what's the best way from the contact you? We will drop this information in the show notes, but if you want to just share quickly, um, that would be great. Sure. So uh, the best way to get in touch is probably LinkedIn. And it's just my first name, last name, Jaya, J-A-I-A, Thomas. The last name is much simpler, T-H-O-M-A-S. <laughs> and um, that's probably the best way. Jaya, thank you again so much. um, This has been a great, great conversation. Thank you for being so open and honest and for sharing um, your story. Um, As always, may you be inspired to know if this is what you want. You too can quit and be okay. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. But most importantly, share it with your community. Thank you again for listening. And remember, you were built for this.